again, and happy Easter to you. And welcome to all of you watching in the parent viewing room. Uh, that's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. Just pass our donuts and coffee is a room where you can watch the service live with us. Well, man, aren't you guys looking fancy this morning and looking all dressed and nice? Turn to the person next to you and say, you look good today. Come on, go ahead and tell them. Turn to the person behind you and say, you look good today. You look good. We're so glad that you're here to join us for Easter. Right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. If you want to go ahead and grab those out, if everyone can do that with us, and grab the pen uh, that you grabbed as well. And uh, you can take some notes and fill in the blanks and have something to take with you today. In fact, we're going to kick off right away with your notes because your first fill-in is this, that as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it signifies that this is not the end for us. This is not the end for us. Us. Isn't that good news? Everyone say good news. That is great news. Have you ever needed a good dose of hope because you were facing a bad situation? Anybody ever just needed some hope? I remember there was a day that I needed some hope. I, when I was youth pastor, we used to take kids to Six Flags. Anybody ever been to Six Flags Amusement Park? And, um, and so, you know, we had to drive a couple hours, and we were taking a ton of teenagers there. And the whole way there, they were talking about the world's tallest, scariest roller coaster, that they were dragging me on whether or not I liked it. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit of afraid of heights, okay? And, and why wouldn't you? Because who wants to die falling from a high place, right? No one would want to do that. And so I'm, you know, inside, I'm, you know, in turmoil on the outside. I'm trying to put on, you know, a thick, strong face. Hey, I got this. No worries. I'm not scared, you know. And so in inner turmoil's raging. And so we get into the park. And as I walk closer and closer to the roller coaster, coincidentally, my prayers got more and more frequent as the closer I got. And, and as we arrived at the entrance of the roller coaster, there was a big sign that said, this roller coaster is closed due to maintenance. <laughs> I had never felt so much hope in my whole life than in that one moment. Sometimes we're facing a bad situation and we just need some hope. And to ask maybe a more serious question, have you ever found yourself in a bad situation because of your own choices? That's a big one, isn't it? I think we could probably all identify and say we've all been there. We've all made mistakes. Have you ever been there because of your own choice, though? Your life ended up in a spot that you weren't planning on? Or maybe you found yourself on a path that was leading you further from actually where you wanted to end up, where you wanted to go? Have you ever had regrets about the choices that you've made in life and wish you could rewind time? Sure, we've all been there. Well, the disciple Peter was in this exact spot. See, Jesus had 12 disciples, and this was Peter, where right before Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus sat with his disciples and told them all how they would each abandon him. Right before he's about to be arrested in the Garden by soldiers who would lead him away to be crucified. And the disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, most of all Peter. And Peter decided in this moment, this would be a good time to stand up and say something impactful to Jesus, right? I mean, imagine that thought. I'm going to say something impactful to Jesus. But that's what Peter thought. But you've got to know Peter just a little bit to understand that he was 
very impulsive. He liked to talk a big game. He opened his mouth a lot and by turn had to insert his foot a lot. Uh, you know, he just was a loud mouth. So imagine, this might help you, imagine like a white Jewish Richard Sherman, okay, uh, cornerback for the Seattle Seahawks, right? This was kind of who Peter was. He liked to draw attention. In fact, there was times, I mean, Peter was up and Peter was down and he would say embarrassing things and sometimes Jesus would have to reel him back in and say, Peter, Peter, Peter. It's this Peter in this moment that he's about to say something impactful to Jesus. And we pick up this verse in Matthew 26. After Jesus had just said, you're about to abandon me, Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Well, truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. You see, Peter was banking on his devotion to Jesus, his love for Jesus, his commitment to Jesus. And that sounds pretty admirable, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest for a moment. Who among us this morning hasn't ever tried to earn our way to God? Well, if I could just be a little bit of a nicer person, if I could give to this charity or that charity, if I could volunteer for this thing or that thing, or if I could like punch my church card like 20 times a year, I mean, God would really, really, really like me. This is what Peter was doing on his own account. He thought that he could come to Jesus. And oftentimes we think the same thing. And that's oftentimes why we make promises to God. Have you ever made a promise to God? Have you ever made a promise to God that you didn't keep? Let me take it down a notch. Have you ever made a promise to yourself that you're going to do something better, that you're going to start a new this or stop an old that? And have you broken even your own promises? We've all been there. We've all done that. You see, what's happening between Peter and Jesus is really a snapshot for all of us, your very next fill-in. We have this confidence in ourselves that tries to convince us that if we can be good enough, strong enough, holy enough, positive enough, until we realize we can't. Until we realize we can't. That we're actually none of those things. We're not good enough and we're not strong enough and we're not holy enough. And if that's the case and one day we die and stand before God and God asks you, why should I let you into my heaven? And every single one of our efforts have fallen short. What are we to do? See, Jesus is sitting with his disciples. He tells them about how they're going to betray him and then they go to the garden where Jesus is arrested, where Judas betrays him with a kiss, and the soldiers arrest him, but not unwillingly. Jesus willingly offers up his life. And so they take Jesus away, and they take him to the center courts, and the disciples are scared. They don't know what's going on. And so they follow at a distance, and here's Peter, who tries so covertly to follow the soldiers all the way to the courtyard, not wanting to be seen, because I'm sure he thought if they're going to arrest him, they're going to arrest me if I'm with them, and I don't want that to happen. And here's Peter hiding out in the shadows, trying to listen to what's taking place. 
When all of a sudden, in Matthew 26, it says, Now Peter was sitting in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. Now this girl was probably 13, 14 years old, just a teenage girl. And she said to him, she looked at him and pointed at him and said, You were also with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I, 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 don't, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. I mean, a teenage girl. I mean, he couldn't even stand up to a teenage girl. I mean, no offense if you're a teenage girl this morning. All right. verse, verse 71, it says, Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl, another teenage girl, no offense if you're a teenage girl, said to the said to the people there, hey, this fellow, he was with Jesus of Nazareth, and he denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Verse 73, after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them because your accent gives it away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, the Bible says, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words that Jesus had spoken to him, eyeball to eyeball around the dinner table. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. What a powerful word. You will disown me. You will remove yourself from me. You'll want nothing to do with me. You're going to run as far as you can away from me when I'm in this moment. And I don't know, imagine yourself there. Imagine Peter hearing the rooster crowing and maybe he makes eye contact with Jesus. And he went outside. He left the whole scene and he wept bitterly. He removed himself from Jesus thinking to himself through his sobs, how could I disown the man who has done so much for me? Jesus invested three years of his life into me. Jesus mentored me. Jesus took care of me. He built a friendship with me. I mean, we did life together. How could I disown him in his most desperate See, during that time, there was, during those three years, I mean, there was a bond of friendship and love that formed between Jesus and Peter. And that's why Peter never had an issue declaring his devotion to Jesus until this moment. He made a promise that he broke, and he felt so bad about it, he wanted to get as far away from Jesus as he could. Can I ask you a question this morning? What keeps you away from Jesus? What keeps you away from Jesus? I mean, imagine what Peter was felt as he heard that rooster crow. But the truth is, I don't think any one of us have to imagine that far. Because we've all found ourselves in that spot where we felt like we've let God down and somehow he would want nothing to do with this as a result. 
I've made too many mistakes. I did that and I did this. And God would not want anything to do with me. Your next fill-in, like Peter, we allow our mistakes to be the reason why we stay away from God. It's our mistakes that keep us away from God. Every single one of us are messed up on some level. Every one of us have baggage that we carry. But what are you carrying today? What kind of baggage is it for you? Is it that you feel ashamed? Ashamed that you could allow yourself to go down that path and that road. Thinking to yourself, how could I? How could I have not seen it and how could I have been so stupid? Maybe you feel ashamed and I can tell you that. That is a very heavy weight to carry. Maybe you're carrying lies around with you that has kept you from Jesus. You feel like you have lied to others and you have lied to yourself. You feel like even you've lied to God about who you would become and what you would be up to. And in fact, you've been lying to yourself. Telling yourself lots of things that in your heart you know aren't true. And maybe those lies have kept you from Jesus. And if so, that's a heavy weight to carry. Maybe for you, it's cheating. And this has been a theme in your life. You cheated in school and you're cheating at work. You've tried to display someone of who you are that you aren't really and it's kind of been a, a fake facade. And you've thought to yourself, God knows the real me. That's why I can't go back to him. Because if other people only knew the truth, what would they think? That's a heavy load to carry. What if for you it was sexual sin? You found yourself in spots of temptation and, and you gave in to temptation and because of it, it's wreaked some havoc in your life and it's caused regret and you've thought to yourself, if I could only go back in time and change those decisions. What a heavy load to carry. And because of it, you've felt trapped. Or maybe nobody knows and it's best that way. And you've thought to yourself, because of this baggage, God would not want me. And so it keeps me away from Jesus. That's a heavy load to carry. What if for you it's past hurts? You've had resentment build up. Maybe you're even angry at God. Maybe you've been hurt by other people. In fact, maybe you've even been hurt by the church. And today you're even here reluctantly thinking to yourself, here it is again, another opportunity for me to be hurt. And all it does is stir up memories about the experiences that you've had. And because of your past hurts, you feel like Jesus 
would not want you. Because you've never been able to deal with it or reconcile it or whatever it is. You've never been able to forgive yourself. And if you can't forgive yourself, why would God forgive you? And that's a heavy load to carry. What if what keeps you away is that you've rejected God? Maybe you went when you were a kid. And as you grew up, you decided that God wasn't for you. And you've rejected him. And now that you're older, you're thinking to yourself, well, I've been gone so long. God wouldn't want me back now. I'm in my 30s. I'm in my 40s. I'm in my 50s. There's no way that God would want me. And so we stay away from him because we've rejected him just like Peter did. It's such a heavy load. Or lastly, what if it's self-hate that's kept you away? Because whatever path you've walked down for whatever reason, you lay awake at night and you hate parts of yourself. And you think, if I hate me, I can only imagine how God thinks about me. Because he knows the truth. He knows about what I've done. And that is a heavy load to carry. You've gone years carrying this type of baggage in your life and you're tired and you're worn out and you wonder where it's going to end and you wonder if there's any hope for tomorrow. In the back of your mind, it whispers to you, is this all that life has to offer? Is this it? Is this my punishment that I've got to carry this baggage until the day I die and so because of us, we stay away from Jesus. And you know what you do and what I do? We try to get rid of all these things by trying to be better and jump through more hoops and try to go to church more or try to be nicer. But it's all the more shame when we realize once again that we're not good enough. And so we allow distance between us and God. You see, here's the crazy thing, and you know this. It's your next fill-in, that human wisdom has no system or plan to deal with the mistakes of yesterday. Human wisdom has no system or plan to deal with your mistakes of yesterday. The only advice that the world offers you when you are experiencing all of this baggage, you know what it is? Shame, guilt, do better next time, stuff it down and pretend like it never happened. That's the only wisdom it could give you. The amazing thing and, and why we're here today is that God had an answer. God had a plan and a system to deal with all the baggage that we carry. And his answer was Jesus on the cross. Where he went willingly and was beaten for us and nailed to that cross. We read throughout history that there really was a man named Jesus and the history records are impeccable that there was a man that was crucified. And he was dead and he was put away and he was buried. You see, when Jesus was on that cross, you know what God did? God took all that baggage and all that weight and all that shame and guilt and he put it on top of Jesus. And because Jesus died for our sin, we don't have to die. Because he suffered for our shame, we don't have to carry our shame anymore. We don't have to suffer through it. We can be forgiven. Your next fill. And Jesus took all of the things 
that have been the good reasons in our mind to stay away from God and covered them with his blood. That's what Jesus did when he was on this cross. God took it all. And the blood of Jesus came to cover all of our sin, all of our brokenness, all of our baggage. So when God looks here, he doesn't see anything but the sacrifice that his son paid for you and me on the cross. That is great news. It lets us off the hook. We don't have to pay for our sin because Jesus already did. But here's the truth. If Jesus would have stayed dead, none of this would have mattered. There'd be no hope. In fact, there wouldn't even be a church today. You wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be here today if Jesus had never resurrected from the dead because there's lots of people that have died. But Jesus is the only one who predicted his own death and his own resurrection. And for anybody that predicts their own death and he dies, and anyone who protects his resurrection, and he actually rises from the dead, I'm going to listen to what that guy has to say. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that would be smart. And that's what Jesus did in this moment. Check this out, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven And going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning. Could you imagine him just showing up on the scene? And it's like a lightning bolt. And his clothes were white as snow. The guards who were around the tomb protecting it so no disciples stole the body. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You know what that means? It means they fainted. Right? means they were a bunch of babies. They fainted. I mean, now let's be real for a moment. If you were a guard and you were in charge of the tomb and suddenly an angel appeared like a lightning bolt and there was an earthquake, come on. You would faint too, would you not? These guards fell over and fainted. They were like dead men. And then the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here. He has Risen, just as he said. Come in here, ladies, come in here. I want to to show you where Jesus was laying down. Come here. And they walk into the tomb, and you know what they see? The garments that Jesus was wrapped in from head to toe were folded neatly in its place. His body was not there. Now, this next part is so important that if you miss this, you're going to miss everything today. And so don't miss this, because in this next verse, God gives a message that the angel is supposed to say to the women that changes everything for you sitting in this room right now. If you've ever had baggage in your life, it changes everything. Look at Mark 16. The angel said, but go and tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee, and then you will see him just as he told you. Did you catch it? Did you catch it? 
Tell his disciples and who? Now, why in the world would God want to single out Peter of all the disciples? Because God wanted to send a message loud and clear. That there is nothing you could do to separate yourself from God's love. There is nothing that you have gone through that excludes you from relationship with Jesus. God wanted to shout from heaven, Peter, I love you no matter what. What a thought. It means that God doesn't see any of the things that have kept us away for so long. And it means that we can have new relationship with him if we will accept him as leader and savior and Lord of our life. If you don't believe me, look at 1 Corinthians 15, 3. It says this, For what I received I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to who? He appeared to who? He appeared to who? He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of him who are still, still living, though some have died. Jesus got out of that tomb, and he thought to himself, I've got to talk to Peter first. I've got to talk to Peter first because I know that all that's rolling through his mind is that in my final hour, he deserted me, and I want him to know that he's still in the club. I want him to know that I still love him, and I'll still forgive him. And Jesus did exactly that. He met Peter on the side of the road and revealed himself to Peter. And even several more times after the resurrection, and he asked Peter, Peter, do you still love me? You know what Peter's response was? Jesus, you know that I love you. You see, if Jesus were to ask you that question, do you love me? You know what I wouldn't doubt? I wouldn't doubt that somewhere in your heart you would respond back. God, I do love you, but you know what? There's this baggage that has kept me from you. And I don't know what to do with it. You see, Peter thought that he could never recover after denying Jesus. He thought he could never recover after walking away. And yet, but in this lies the amazing and beautiful result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the devil wanted us to be buried for eternity in our sin, knowing that we could never earn our way back to God. But Jesus' death and resurrection changed all of that, and that is why we echo what 1 Corinthians 15 says, Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. In other words, if you go on sinning and don't have Christ forgive you, it will bring death to your life. And you know what's the strength of sin? It's trying to keep the law in your own strength. In other words, he's saying when you're trying to jump through all the right hoops and be good enough and strong enough and holy enough, that's actually the strength of sin because you and I cannot do it on our own. We're not good enough. So he says, where's your sting and where's your victory? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is great news. It's 
great news for every single one of us because you know what? This is what I know about you. You're messed up. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're kind of messed up. I mean, there were some of you that were really meaning that when you said that, weren't you? You know how I know that? Because I'm kind of messed up. Every single one of us, there's not one of us that can earn this. There's not one of us that can earn this covering and take away our own sin and our own shame. It's only through Jesus Christ. You know what it means? That all of our sin has been covered. This is great news. It means that if you're an alcoholic or an addict or a victim, God's grace is extended to you this morning. If you've committed adultery or if you're a thief or even if you're a Twilight fan, God's grace is enough for you. You see, this grace is for the murderers, for the mama's boys, it's for the freaks and the geeks, it's even for the people who think professional wrestling is real, it's for everyone who doesn't use a turn signal, it's for everyone who texts while driving, it's to the Democrats and to the Republicans. It's even for the guys at the gym and the locker room, you know, who walk around naked and sing Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. It's even for those guys. God's grace extends even to those who are responsible for the creation and ongoing sale of men's bicycle shorts. I, I don't get that at all. They're disgusting. Stop wearing them, please, for the love of humanity. His grace is for the potheads, the meatheads, the crackheads, the deadhead, the methheads. For those who like Star Trek, for those who don't recycle, God's grace is still enough. For the tree-hugging, Prius-driving leftists who bathe in unicorn tears, and to people who don't know I'm talking about because it was never on an episode of Touched by an Angel, I just want you to know this morning that God's grace is extended even to you. It doesn't matter how far out there you think you are and how bad you don't deserve it. God's grace extends to you today. And all you have to do is take it and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin? I'm tired of leading my own life. I want you to lead my life from this day forward. The resurrection of Jesus Christ removes our shame. It removes our guilt. It removes our sin. And it brings peace to our mind and our heart. This is why Jesus came for us. is glorified forever he is lifted high and the Bible says this that one day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we want to give you an opportunity right now in this moment to surrender all the baggage to God to say I don't want to carry it any longer but I want forgiveness and I want this new hope and this life that you're offering me, I don't care how far you feel from God, in a moment you can be back in friendship and relationship with Him. So would you do me a favor? Would you just mind closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray? There's nothing spiritual about closing your eyes. It just helps us focus right here in this moment. And I want to lead you in a prayer this morning. And if you're in that spot, and you'd say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. 
I want my sin to be forgiven. And the Bible says if you mean this prayer with your heart and you begin to surrender your life to God, everything can change. In fact, there's hundreds of stories in this room of people that would say, if you could see my life before I accepted Christ and if you could see my life after, they would tell you, make the choice and make the decision to take a step towards God. And so if you're in that spot and you're ready, just can we just repeat this out loud together? Even if you've already accepted Christ, let's repeat this together. Everyone say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin that has separated me from you. And I believe that you're the son of God and that you died on that cross and you rose again on the third day. And I now accept you into my life as my savior, as my leader, and as my Lord. And I ask you to take away all my sin, all my baggage, all the stuff that kept me from you, because I want to know you now. Thank you for dying for me, for giving me new hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we clap for everyone that made that decision this morning? Come on, let's just clap. Thank God for his resurrection.